right, I wanna welcome all of our campuses to the fifth week of our series entitled Above the Noise. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us. So excited to have you guys. We are in a series. Every year in the beginning of the year, we do a series, usually five, six, seven weeks long, and we take a theme. And in that theme, I teach you on the weekends, number two, we really emphasize that in small groups. I wanna say to all the 11,000 people uh, that are in small groups, I wanna encourage you to continue in your group. You know, a couple weeks, this theme will be over, but how many of you know the group doesn't need to be over? Let's stay connected. Come on, can we just give it up for the 1,100 small group leaders as well? Thank you guys. Thank you so much for the time and energy. You know, we're in a theme talking about how that we can live above the noise. Every one of our lives, there's so much noise on the inside of our minds, whether it's through the social media, text messages, emails, phone calls, the, the news, the sound bites. There's so much stuff that fills our minds. The problem with that is, is that when God wants to speak to us, his voice often has a hard time breaking through the noise. So, so the question is, how do we live above the noise? In other words, how can we hear God amidst a noisy and a busy culture? Amidst the lives that we all lead, fast-paced, moving, mobile, things happen. How can we come to a place where we can actually hear from God? Week two, we looked at the first way that God speaks to us, which I believe is the primary way that you can hear every day from God, and that is through the Bible. The Bible is the plumb line. It's the, it is the standard, the rule. It's the blueprint and the manual for our life. I encourage you guys, I hope you guys have uh, picked up that Life Journal. You can go online and download that app every morning. I read the Life Journal. It's a plan. I said the week two that you need not only a reading plan, but you also need a hearing plan. The primary way in which God speaks is through his word. Week three, I talked about the second way that God speaks to us, and that is through the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. Let me just say this. Every day, we can hear God's red light. Don't do that. Green light, go for it. Yellow light, proceed with caution. Paul calls it, in the book of Romans, the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say witness. We can witness by sharing our faith, but the Bible also talks about the inner witness of the Holy Spirit, with the Spirit of God. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. <clears throat> or, or, or do that. Do, do that. Or proceed cautiously. God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, will speak to us, the Bible says, in that small, gentle, inner witness voice. We can hear God every day, the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. Last week, I talked about how God will speak to us through godly counsel. Now, here's what I said. Is there anybody close enough to you? Is there anybody in your life that you trust enough that has what I called outside insight? In other words, Moses, the man that saw God face to face. Matter of fact, the Bible says the humblest man that ever lived, arguably apart from Christ in the New Testament, uh, maybe David in the Old Testament, Moses was probably the greatest man in the Bible apart from Jesus. And the Bible says that Jethro, his father-in-law, was able to speak into his life. Is there anybody close enough to you that you trust that doesn't give you counsel, but that can give you godly counsel? I mean, you know there's a difference. Godly counsel. Today, I wanna talk to you about what I would consider the fourth way that God speaks to us. I'm gonna talk about circumstances next week. By the way, you don't wanna miss that. 
I'm going to help you to discern in your life. How do you know if a circumstance in your life is demonic that you need to push through? Is a God circumstance that God brought into our life to protect us from ourselves or just part of our fallen world? Today, though, I want to talk to you about something very unique. I'm putting two themes together. I want to talk to you how the Bible speaks to us through dreams and visions. Dreams and visions. I'll never forget when I was... I became a Christian uh, when I was a uh, freshman at Tulane University, and I, I was, uh, went to a college Bible study, got born again uh, with a bunch of young people, and so I was on that track and fired up, man, and sharing my faith with people, and, and so I was, I was in a liberal arts track. Again, I've told you all this. I've made fun of this. It's kind of funny. Uh, my degree is in rhetoric, which is kind of pre-law, and so I get to my junior year. It's interesting. You got to make some decisions. What are you going to do if you're going to go to the next step? You're going to go to law school, whatever that is. What's interesting is, though, uh, the beginning of my junior year, I'm talking about how God speaks to us through visions. All of a sudden, it was really interesting. Now, I want to say this. I was not a public speaker growing up as a kid. I was a class clown. But I wasn't a public speaker. I wasn't on a debate team. I wasn't in the 4-H club. I, 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 didn't, I wasn't the captain of the football team. I, wasn't, I, I didn't speak before crowds as a kid. All right, I want everybody to understand that. But the beginning of my junior year, I'm a Christian now, about a year and a half, two years. I'm getting ready to make some decisions of what I want to do, whether I'm going to go to law school, apply for that, or whatever. And all of a sudden, it, it happened over about a two or three month period of time, I began to see a picture, watch this, an internal picture of myself speaking before people about Christ. And I thought to myself, this is crazy. Let me tell you, there was no back reference point. Again, I wasn't a public speaker in high school. Oh, you're just simply importing that from a high school. No, 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 I didn't do that. I, don't even, I can't even remember doing speech class. We cut up the whole time. So, so one time I did, a, I did a speech on how to iron clothes. That was funny. I can't go there. But anyway, so I started having this picture, and it was crazy. So it was the beginning of my junior year. Now, it's during a day. Dreams happen when you're sleeping. Visions happen when you're awake. So I started seeing myself speaking before people and communicating. And so what happens is, is that this internal picture that I believe that God was putting in my heart was a vision. Everybody say vision. It was a vision, which is an internal picture of a future that God has for you. It began to motivate me to take directional steps in a particular way. I believe that God, the Holy Spirit, speaks to people through dreams and visions. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up to the book of Acts. The book of Acts in the New Testament, Acts chapter 2. Uh, for those of you that may be familiar with the, with the sequence of Scripture, the Old Testament, we have the Old Testament, book of Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. Uh, then there's 400 what's called silent years in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? The very first book in the New Testament when the church was birthed is the book of Acts. The Acts of the apostles. There's 28 chapters in the book of Acts. Interestingly enough, Jesus was crucified on a Jewish feast. Does anybody know what the Jewish feast is called? Passover, right? That's why we celebrate that today. Well, the, the Jewish people celebrate Passover, but we recognize that, that Christ was the sacrificial lamb. I want you to hear this. It's very important. 50 days after Passover is another Jewish feast, and it's called Let's see if you know your Bible. It's called what? Pentecost. Penta is five. That's where we get the word five, 50, right? 
So 50 days after the Passover, Christ was crucified on Friday. 50 days after that is a Jewish feast called the Feast of Pentecost. 10 days before that, which would have been at day 40, Jesus gathers his disciples together and he's on the Mount of Olives and he tells them to go into the city of Jerusalem and to wait in the city of Why? Because it was there that they were to tarry, to wait for, that was gonna consummate on this Jewish feast that was gonna consummate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Go into the city of Jerusalem and to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. What was that? The birth of the church. So 120, not just the disciples, which would have been 11 at the time. Judas hung himself. It wasn't just that 11, but it was also 110 other people. They, they, 109, I guess when he was there, they all gathered. The Bible says 120, don't miss this, there's 120 people. The church is about to be birthed. And they're all up in the upper room in Jerusalem and they're crying out to God. And it consummates on the day of the feast of Pentecost, a historic Jewish feast. Why? All the Jewish people would come Three big feasts a year, and one of those was, they were all in Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit's poured out, and they began to speak in spiritual languages. Now watch this, and Peter, isn't it interesting that God called the very first preacher of the New Testament church, Peter, 50 days earlier, he was denying Jesus, and now he becomes the first proclaimer in the New Testament. How many are grateful that God does not throw you away when you make a mistake, but he's got a plan of redemption for your future? Aren't you grateful for that? I'm grateful. And the Bible says that Peter stood up and he began to declare the works of God and he began to talk about who Christ was and you crucified him and he was buried and he rose again on the third day and this is what now you see. And he quotes the book of Joel and he talks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Resident in these verses, he says something about the way in which God speaks to us today. And here's what he says. He's quoting the book of Joel and he says, it shall come to pass. In the last days. Now, theologically, what are the last days? The last days began, technically, at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, this event. When will the last days consummate at the return of Christ? We believe biblically that Jesus is coming again. We sang about it today. So from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there's several words. that We are living in the church age. We're living in the age of grace, but it's also theologically considered the last days. So we're in it right now until Christ comes again. The Bible says, it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my what? Everybody say it, my spirit. That's the Holy Spirit on all flesh. Whoa, this is radical, all flesh. What do you mean? In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was only poured out on three different groups of people, prophets, priests, and kings. Time out. Are you talking about all flesh? You're talking about people that are in the ministry, people that, are, that, 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 that work jobs, so everybody gets the Holy Spirit, yeah. All flesh, wait a minute, are you talking about, time out, time out, time out. We're Jewish people, remember, this is all Jewish people here in this. Are you talking about that the Holy Spirit is now gonna be poured out on Jewish people, non-Jewish people? Hold on, time out, time out. Caucasian people, African people, wait, 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 Chinese people, Cajun people, come on, can I have a witness? Oh, wait a minute, time out. It's not, it's not just for Jewish people, the Holy Spirit, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. And it's all flesh, everybody say all flesh. Oh man, this is radical. This thing is building. Not only that, but your sons 
and your daughters. Wait a minute, it's not just male flesh. For the Jewish world, man, I tell you, it was these men. I mean, they, had, they could talk to God. And wait, time out, I'll tell you. Uh, honey, I'll tell you. Well, no, no, no. Now it's all flesh. Men and women. Oh, wow. He's breaking down every barrier here. How I many you know? Wait a minute. And they shall do something. They shall prophesy. And your young men shall see, everybody say it, visions. And your old men shall do what? Dream dreams. I want to submit to you today that one of the ways that God speaks to us, yes, through the, whole, through the word of God, the primary way, every day, God will speak to you through his word. Yes, through the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. Yes, through godly counsel. But one of the ways that God speaks to us supernaturally by his spirit is through dreams and visions. I want to talk to you about dreams first, biblically. And then I want to talk to you about visions and how I see through the scripture that God will speak to us. And these are unique. Now, this is a unique message. This is a unique message. This is, this is interesting, though, when you begin to read the Bible and you begin to see, wait, man, this is supernatural. God does supernatural things. By the way, there is a craving for the supernatural in the heart of every man and woman. There's a craving for it. You go on TV, you look at TV programs, there's all kind of supernatural things. You walk into the Barnes and Nobles, you, you, you look at bookstores, uh, you, you, you go online. I mean, there's, a, there's this craving. Why? Because mankind, we are not just rational, cognitive people, but there's a spiritual side. There, there, there's a side to us that cannot be satisfied unless we tap into something that is spiritual and someone. And that's why there's this yearning in the heart. You can try to repress it. You can try to oppress it. You can try to say, well, I'm an atheist or I'm an agnostic, which I don't know, or I'm this or I'm that. But there's this, this cry in the human heart. Why? Because God made us spiritual beings. That's why, and I'll just say this. I know some of you may think it's just kind of folklore or just whatever, but that's why I believe people even go down in New Orleans. The tourists will come in in Jackson Square, and they'll go and they'll put their hands in tarot cards. You may think, well, that's just part of New Orleans culture, and that's just kind of, you know, ha, 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 ha. But I believe there's real spiritual things that happen there. By the way, not from the light side, but from the dark side. People are, what are they looking for? They're trying to tap in. Oh, well, no, that's a drunk tourist. No, 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 no. Maybe, but it could be that they're really trying to get direction. They're trying to tap into something supernatural. How I many you know, we better be very careful. We're not tapping into something dark. It better be light. It better be Jesus. It better be God. Are you with me? But why is that? I'll tell you why that is. Because there's a yearning in the heart of mankind for something of an encounter with the supernatural. I think back in the book of Genesis with <clears throat> with, with Joseph, again, the famous patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, one of Jacob's sons, the youngest of which was Joseph. The Bible says God spoke to him through a dream. Look what it says. I'm talking about dreams and visions today. A little bit different message, but it's in the Bible. The Bible says now Joseph had a, a what? Say it, a dream. By the way, I don't say that dreams are always at night. Why? Because dreams are just when you're sleeping. People work shift work, right? So I, we, we got to be careful. You can see a vision during the day or the night, dream a day. It's when you're sleeping, all right? So Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. I don't have time to unpack all of that, but in the dream, Joseph has this dream, and there's, in, in essence, I'm going to give you the summation. Basically, he becomes the leader of the family business, and all of his brothers serve him. How many know it was probably not wisdom to share that with your older brothers that you're going to own the family business and you're going to sign the paycheck of all your brothers. But he did. But God spoke to him in a dream. 
It was interesting, it was a supernatural dream. And everything that God spoke to him in Genesis chapter 37 in this dream came to pass, if you read throughout the book, the book of Genesis. So powerful. I wrote this down. We see throughout the Bible that God will speak in dreams. Genesis chapter 28. You guys maybe remember this in Sunday school. The, the, the Jacob's ladder. Do you remember Jacob's ladder? So Jacob, remember Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob is the father of Joseph. And he has this dream. And in this dream, he, he sees this ladder. And this ladder goes up to heaven. And he sees these angels, the Bible says the angels of God that were ascending and descending upon this ladder. It was a dream and God had a message for Jacob. First Kings chapter three, God had a message for Solomon. God spoke to Solomon in a dream. He says, I'll give you anything. What do you want? And in this dream, Solomon says before the Lord, he says, just give me wisdom. He says, because you've not asked for gold and power and all this stuff. He goes, I'm going to pour it out of why it was in a, everybody say it in a dream. God will speak in dreams. There's a supernatural understanding that we need to have of how God will speak. What is a dream? I give you a definition. A dream is a series of symbolic pictures that surface in your mind during sleep. Now, I want to break this down just for a moment. Psychologists will say, neuroscientists, people that study sleep patterns, here's what they'll say. They'll say natural dreams, because there's a difference between natural and spiritual. I'm going to get there in a moment. But natural dreams are, are, are designed to help you work in your subconscious through your day. That's where they are. So it's to help you work through the issues of your day. That's a natural dream. I'm not talking about natural dreams today. I'm talking about spiritual dreams, but that is a natural dream. And we have those. By the way, we also have pizza dreams. How many know what I'm talking about? Man, I was crazy, man. I woke up. I was a John Deere tractor. I was running over the house. I mean, I wasn't, you know, I mean, so, so there, 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 there's natural dreams that I believe God has designed us physiologically and psychologically to just help us work through the day where it's not necessarily God, the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It's just how your natural body cognitive functions work. All right. Now this is important. I'm not talking about natural dreams. I'm talking about spiritual dreams, supernatural dreams. By the way, you can have Demonic dreams. I mean, you know, the devil doesn't go, ah, they're sleeping. Huh? No trespassing. <laughs> the, the, the Bible says that the, 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 the fiery darts of the wicked ones. So the enemy can suggest to you demonic things. Matter of fact, he'll suggest. That's why, by the way, we ought to watch what we put in our minds before we go to sleep. Let's not work in collaboration with the devil. Man, I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on with me. I don't, all these murders and all this crazy stuff and all this stuff. And, whew, I better go to sleep. Well, you put a lot of junk in. Don't give the, the, the devil ammunition. But can God, the Holy Spirit, speak to us in our dreams? I believe there are what's called supernatural, spiritual dreams. Now, let me qualify a couple things here. I do not believe this is commonplace. I do believe there are times in our lives when God is trying to get our attention. And he ups the ante. And there's, a, there's probably on the count of my hands, I've been a Christian 30 years, I can probably count on my hands the times when I can honestly say that there were, this was a God dream. A demonic dream, you wake up and you're scared, you're terrified, you can feel that eeriness. A God dream, you wake up. I wrote this down. When God speaks to you by his spirit in a dream, it typically happens because he's trying to get your attention. The stakes are high. And there's a clarity about what to do. 
Now, this is interesting, thinking about this just for a moment. Remember what I said. I'm submitting this to you. God speaks through dreams and visions. We're speaking about dreams. And in those dreams, it's because the stakes are high and there's often clarity of direction. Now, remember Joseph, stepfather, right, of Jesus. Herod's all mad. You know, he's the reigning leader of Jerusalem, and he's all upset because he gets word that there's this Messiah coming for him. All the babies under two, kill him, wipe him out. God speaks to Joseph in a dream. Joseph, take Mary, take baby Jesus, because Jesus was in that range, two and down. Bring them down to Egypt. Of course, God spoke to Joseph in a what? Say it, a why? The stakes are high. The stakes are high. I don't believe this is an everyday occurrence. I get nervous if somebody that says, oh, I'm gonna have all these dreams all the time. I, I believe there are moments in our lives as Christ followers, the Holy Spirit's living in our heart where God will speak by his spirit to our spirit in the night or whenever it is that we're sleeping and a spiritual dream can come. I think about that with Joseph. I think about with Abram. I think about with Solomon. I think about all these examples. Let me give you two practicals about how to evaluate dreams. Number one, the first thing that I would say about this is this. If you believe that you've had a dream that could be one of those high-stake moments where God was trying to get your attention to give you clarity for your future, number one, test that dream against Scripture. By the way, the plumb line for our lives is the Bible. God would never speak to you in a dream. I'll go a step further. God will never speak to you intuitionally. God would never speak to you by his inner witness of the spirit that would contradict his revealed word. If anybody ever tells you, well, God told me to do this, but it clearly contradicts the revealed word of God, that's not God. You may think it's God, but it's not God. Why? God doesn't contradict himself. So the word of God is the will of God. So anytime that you've had any type of spiritual experience that ever tells you to do something that contradicts God's revealed word, that's not God, that's something else. Either your own brain or something that's demonic. So number one, test your dreams against, everybody say it, scripture against the word of God. Number two, submit your dreams to godly counsel. Remember I said last week, no man or woman's an island. We should have men and women in our lives. We should have people in our lives. We want to submit it. And here's the way I would do it. Man, this is, I don't know about this, but I'm just telling you, I had a dream. It was so vivid. And I've been praying and asking God this dream. And this has probably happened in my, I'm literally, I can count on my hands how many times this has happened. And I would submit it to that group of people that are trusted advisors, people that are godly, and see what they say and help you to navigate through the complexities of what you believe that God is saying. All right, so what am I saying? I'm saying this. God will speak through his word. God speaks through his inner witness of the Holy Spirit. God will speak to you through godly counsel. God also speaks through dreams. Now let me talk about another one. God also speaks, Peter said, through what? Say it, visions. What is a vision? A vision is an internal picture of a preferable future. It is seeing in your mind and heart a God-given picture. It's an internal photograph. Again, when I was a junior, should I do this? Should I take my LSAT? Where should I go? What should I do? All of a sudden, not because of a reference point, I was a public speaker in debate school when I was in 10. I'm just having subconsciously these thoughts come to my certain. No, no, no. It's because God the Holy Spirit was giving me a picture of my future. There's an inner picture, a vision. Again, when you look at the Bible, 
I wrote this down. It's important to understand in the Old and New Testament, God would speak to patriarchs. God would speak to prophets, kings, priests, great men and women of God. But he relegated the outpouring of the Spirit upon those that were, in essence, they were a, a restricted class of people. Peter said in the last days, all of us can have a vision from God. Every single one of us. My question is, can you say unequivocally that you have a vision, an internal picture that God has given you about your future? You can. The Bible says it very clearly. I look at all the different people in the Bible that have had a vision. What is a vision? I'll say it again. It is seeing in your mind and heart a God-given picture of the future. It is an invisible photograph. It's a Holy Spirit-inspired picture of a direction that God wants you to move in. Let me give you an example. Church of the King is 19 years old. It'll be 20 uh, this, this, this fall. And the church was, I was asked to come over here. You guys have heard the story. I was asked to come to Mandeville. My pastor asked for, there's a small group of people that, that had a group. And uh, Dr. Greg Muley is one of our elders today. He, was, he had a group of people and they said they needed a pastor. So they asked me. And so my pastor sent me over and it was a God thing. I didn't have this strategy, this big marketing business strategy. I just, we just showed up, started preaching. I wore a tie. I spit on everybody on the front row and rebaptized them every single week. I mean, I'm just, just excited and just fiery and the whole thing. And, but the church grew. It supernaturally grew. It was, I knew it was beyond my skill set. It, was beyond, it wasn't because I was a good speaker. I had a scrackly voice, all these different things. But, but God was with us. So much so that we rented a building on Highway 59. We ended up having five services. It was crazy. There was all kind of people all over the place. They were sitting on the fire thing. Sorry. But they were just, it was just, it, we, we just, we just, there were just the cars and it was just all over the place. It was just, just incredible. So we needed a piece of property. I'm talking to you about how God will speak to you, speak to your life, speak to you about your business, your family. God will speak to you about your future. God will speak to you. An inner vision of a direction that he wants you to go. Again, I'm not talking about a daily occurrence, but there's moments in your life where you need an internal picture because it's, the, the, the stakes are high. So we started praying about it. We started thinking, we had our elders, we gathered together and we thought, you know, let's find 10 acres of property. We'll find 10 acres of property. So we drove up and down all over the North Shore, you know, this, this region and we were up and down Highway 59. So we found, some of you guys don't know this, but we found 10 acres of property. We started negotiating. It was a nice piece of property. And so we were starting to negotiate and I went to prayer and I, and I was just praying, just like I'm doing, I was just praying and I just felt the check by the Holy Spirit. I just said, man, I don't know if that's the right direction to take. And in prayer, I started having this picture that God had for us a campus on the interstate. Now, I want you to think about this. I went to a guy who was trusted and I said to him and who knew the area and he understood all. And I went to this guy and, and I said, I said, do you know of a piece of property? And he told me this. He goes, first of all, I don't know of any pieces of property that would be available on the interstate. And if they were, you guys couldn't afford it. He wasn't trying to be mean. He was trying to just whatever, be negative, I guess. <laughs> God bless him. But anyway. The problem was there was an incongruency with what he said and with what I was seeing. 
You ever had that before in your life where somebody has said something, but you're seeing something that's different than what they've said? What I begin to realize is that I'm going to make sure I'm moving towards what I see from God versus what, and I say this respectfully, what somebody might say. It's not that I discount it, but I'm going to make sure that God's voice, God's vision is the primary. Interestingly enough, I talked to Dr. Greg. I said, man, Greg, this is crazy. I don't think we're supposed to buy this piece of property. He goes, well, stay. I mean, come on, man, we're going to negotiate. He was handling all that. I said, I said I'm, just, I'm telling you, I think there's something coming. He goes, he goes I have no idea. Are you sure about this? He goes, you know, no, you know, and I said, I'm just telling you, Greg, I don't think we're supposed to do this. I think God and we had our, we're praying together. We got a phone call. We got a phone call within 30 days of that that the Adventure Skate skating rink on Highway 59 on the interstate was going out of business and they wanted to sell it and the adjoining 10 acres attached to it. Within 30 days, we had an agreement on that. We raised money on 30 days after that and we moved into, it took us three months to renovate and we moved into 12 acres in that building. It's a skating rink. It was at our annex at the Little Creek campus. It was a skating rink. Y'all didn't know that we were holy rollers. And so uh, that's cheesy. I'm sorry. That's so cheesy, isn't it? Uh, that's just wow. Just wow. <laughs> Everybody say vision. God will speak to you and enter. Now that's not every day I'm waiting to walk out my house, you know, until I have a vision. No, that was the stakes are high. Now we own 65 acres, millions of dollars of pride, and this is just one of our campuses. Why is that important? Because God will speak to you through what? Everybody say it, a what? A vision. Has God spoken to you that way? He will, he wants to. God will speak through dreams, but God will speak through visions. Let me give you two types of visions. Number one, natural visions. I'm not talking about this today. A natural vision is what I would call a daydream. By the way, we think pictorially. You have to understand how we think, how we're designed cognitively. Our brains, we think pictorially. Let me give you an example. If I say to you, Destin, Florida, do you think of a sign on the interstate, Destin, Florida, exit here? No, you think of a what? A beach. Ah, Isn't that right? Why is that? Because God's designed us to think pictorially. I'm not talking about just thinking in pictures, that's how we do all the time. I'm talking about a God, Holy Spirit inspired picture that brings a solace to you and gives you an unction to take a step in that direction. Meaning God's giving you direct, he's speaking to you. I'm talking about a spiritual vision, supernatural vision. God, the Holy Spirit will speak to you that way. Spiritual visions, they're different from natural visions. They're, they're, God takes, take, takes the natural way we're designed, but he breathes upon it. He breathes upon that, and he gives you an internal picture, whether it's a, a property on the real estate, or, or on the interstate, or, or, or whether, it's, whether it's Peter, who's a Jewish man. In Acts chapter 10, he's in prayer, and the Bible says he has a vision. Peter, in Acts chapter 10, he has this vision, and in this vision, watch this. He sees in this vision a sheet with unclean animals coming down. These unclean, oh, I want everybody to hear this at every one of our campuses. He sees an un, unclean animals coming down. Peter is a Jewish man. Clean. Whoa, pull that down. Here's what he says. He says, wait a minute, what's going on? Whoa, 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 whoa. And God says to him, Peter, rise, kill those animals and eat. No, I'm a Jewish man. Those are unclean animals. 
And then God, the Holy Spirit, speaks to him and says, the picture I'm giving you, I'm giving you my editorialized version, is the Gentiles. Go to the Gentiles, for I've called them to be a participant in the gospel. God spoke to Peter through a what? Say it, a vision. God spoke to the apostle Paul. Paul! Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, the great apost the apostolic leader in the New Testament, the apostle Paul. And he was, he was opening up uh, the, the church in different regions for the gospel and planting churches. And then Paul goes to prayer. And he has a what? He has a vision. And in that vision, he sees a man. Don't miss this man. He sees this man. And this man says, Paul, Paul, come over here, Paul. Paul, come over here. Paul, I'm in Macedonia. And Paul's in prayer and he goes, now, Paul doesn't see a man in the natural, but he sees a man in the spirit. The Bible says, and in a vision, pull that up, and in a vision, a vision, everybody say a vision, appeared to Paul in the night. Again, a vision can happen at night, you can be awake. It's when you're sleeping as a dream, when you're awake as a vision. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him. Question, was that a physical man standing before him? Yes or no? The answer is no. It was a man in a vision that God was giving Paul because God had an apostolic assignment for him to go to Macedonia. Come over here to Macedonia, Paul. We need help. Paul, Paul, come. Paul, we need your help. Come. It was a vision. It was a vision from God and Paul, if you read in the Bible, Paul followed that vision. I'm saying, boom, the gospel exploded. What has God spoken to you about? God has speak to you through dreams and vision. Yes, every day through the word of God. Yes, through the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. Obviously, godly counsel. But there are moments where God's trying to get your attention. The stakes are high. And God will speak to you when you're sleeping in a dream. But we test it out. But God will also speak to you in a vision. You know, I began to think about the Apostle Paul. I'm closing. Paul said this. He said, listen, I, I began to think about Paul. How could the Apostle Paul go and deal with the insurmountable odds and obstacles? It's just like, just boom, boom. By the way, do you know that Jesus was not the only man whipped in the Bible? Paul was whipped in the Bible. Now, not at the severity of where Christ was, but he was also stoned. He was stoned with rocks and he left for dead three times. King James Bible says thrice. Stone left for dead. I've said this before. He was the original Terminator. <laughs> you couldn't kill Paul. What was it? I'm talking about when God gives you a vision. Why is this important? The stakes are high. God's got a directional. God's got a certain direction for you to take. But when you have a vision for God, it causes you to rise up. It brings great intentionality. It brings clarity and a resilience to your life. And Paul the apostle said this. He said, let me tell you why I've not quit. I'm speaking to somebody today. Let me tell you, some of you wanting to throw on the towel, you need a vision for God, for your life, for your future. Here's what Paul says, Acts 26. He said this, I was not disobedient to the heavenly, everybody say it, vision. Why did Paul not quit? Because he had a vision from God that caused him to rise above him circumstances, albeit bad at times, obstacles that are perceived to be insurmountable because he had a vision from God. Man, when you have a vision from God, wow. Causes you to rise up. Causes you to believe beyond hope where you're believing. It causes you to trust. It's Adam. I mean, I mean, it's Abram and Sarah. When, when, when God says, I've called you to be a father of many nations. And, and, and he brought him outside. He says, look at the stars. 
So shall your seed be, and yet his wife was barren. How could he continue on? Why? Because God gave him, everybody say it, a vision. Paul had a vision. Abram had a vision. Peter had a vision. You can have a vision from God. I went to college and graduated in 1991. I enrolled in the Baptist Seminary in the summer of 91 and took my Old Testament classes. Then in the fall of 91, I went to Bible college for two years. I graduated from Bible college in Dallas, Texas. I moved back here. I re-enrolled in seminary in the fall of 1993. And the church, great church that I was a part of the time, didn't have the resources to be able to bring me on staff. So I was, so my associate pastor, who was my mentor at the time, he says, he says, Steve, I want you to go get a job during the day so you can teach in our Bible school at night. You're getting your graduate degree. And by the way, by the way, he says, let's just keep at this. Let's just keep moving forward because I'm telling you, God's got something for your life. I said, Pastor, I'm telling you, I've seen a vision of what God's got. So I'm waiting tables during the day. By the way, I'm cleaning office buildings on the weekend as well to make extra. So I'm, I'm waiting tables at lunch because I gotta be free at nighttime because I'm a singles pastor even though the church didn't have money to pay me. I'm in graduate school. I'm waiting tables during the day. I'm teaching in the Bible school at night. I'm cleaning toilets on the weekend. Two years. I'll never forget I was at, by the way, there was people that loved me, that cared for me, that would say, Steve, so when are you gonna do the ministry thing? I said, I'm, I'm, I, well, when are you gonna like make money from that? I mean, you're kinda, you're doing a whole bunch. I'm, I'm telling you, I've got, God's given me a, I'm telling you, it's, I, I see it, it's, I see it. My pastor, my pastor asked me if I would consider doing this youth thing. Now, this is important. By the, by the way, let me pause there for a moment. I'll never forget, you're talking about when you have a vision from God, keeps you moving, stay with me. That's why it's so important that we understand when God speaks to you, it causes you to rise up, not throw in the towel. Is true. By the way, how do you know the difference between a natural vision and a God vision? You have a natural vision. God has you with a supernatural vision. You can't let it go. It just grips you. Wow. That's not personality. That's God's grip. I never forget I was, so I'm, I'm graduated from college. I'm graduated from Bible college. I'm getting my graduate degree in seminary and I'm waiting tables during the day. I'm cleaning office buildings on nighttime. I'm teaching in the Bible school and I'm a singles pastor over the 18 to 30 year olds at the church, but they can't pay me. And I'll never forget, these guys came into my table. I was working at Similia's restaurant, Old, Old Metairie Road. This would be 93, 94, 26 years ago. And I, I'll never forget, they came to sit at my table. Now these guys, I went to, when I got saved in, in, in college, I was like radically saved. It wasn't like, you take your right foot in, you take your right foot out, you take your right foot in. And. It wasn't a hokey pokey salvation, y'all with me? I mean, like I went, I'm gonna serve Christ. I was radical for the world. How many know you ought to be radical for Jesus? And what's interesting is, so I got saved, and my friend, one of my best friends, his dad was this senior vice president at American Express, the number two guy. He was from New York, Long Island, and, and, he, and so he had red hair, and he was a third-year medical student at Vanderbilt University in Nashville. I'll never forget, he and three of his friends came down from Mardi Gras. This would have been Mardi Gras 94. And he came and he sat down at my table and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I'm gonna, because I, I, remember, I remember he sat me down when I was a senior in college and like he was having a fatherly talk with me. He's my friend. He goes, Steve, you're really bright. You sure, I mean, you got so many options. Why would you do this ministry thing? Are you serious? It's like he's, you know, he's my age. So he sees me at the table. I know what he's gonna say. It's three years since then. I walk up to the table and I said, uh, can I, um, can I get y'all something to drink? He looks at me, bright red hair. He goes, Steve, dude, what are you doing here? I thought you like became a priest. 
How do you tell a guy that doesn't know Christ? He's a heathen. How do you say, oh, brother, no, God has me on the potter's wheel building character in my heart. <laughs> Are y'all with that? That doesn't make sense. I'm growing in Jesus, fruits of the Spirit. There's nine of them. <laughs> I remember that day I walked out of there. I thought to myself, God, if I've got to do this forever, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to honor you. My pastor, shortly thereafter, said he had a vision from a vision. Everybody say a vision. vision. From God of him speaking at East Jefferson High School. This is the associate pastor to teenagers. A month later, he had a 1,000 kids he spoke to and invited them to a Bible club. He did it for three weeks. There was five, six, and seven kids in this little Bible club. And he looked at me and said, Steve, I can't do that. Why don't you do it? And I said, I'll, I'll do it. I don't really like high school kids at the time. But <laughs> that is a, the gospel truth. I thought to myself, you know, I'm college, edu- you know. And I said, I'll do it. Within one year, we had about, a th- about 500 teenagers coming at schools. Today, that ministry's still going. 27 years late, 26 years later, called Next Generation. There's 5,000 teenagers every week in 57 Bible clubs. Can I tell you what's interesting? By the way, by the way, when you get a vision from God, it's really not your vision. It's God's vision he's entrusting to you. And it'll grip you. And it'll keep you. And it'll cause you to rise up. God will speak to you through dreams and visions. I want you to stand. I'm gonna ask our prayer team if they would come forward right now. I'm gonna ask our whole prayer team if you guys would come. And I just wanna say for those of you that are in here that do not know Christ, the very first step to hearing from God is when you say yes to Jesus. When you surrender your heart to Christ, do you know Christ? I've got two minutes left, I'm gonna release everybody, but I'm gonna ask everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're in this place today, and you're not sure about your relationship with Christ, the very first step to hearing God is trusting Christ as your salvation, as your savior. Do you know Christ? Here's my question. If you die today, I say this very respectfully, but very pointedly. If you died today, do you know that you know that you know that you're right with God? Do you know that your sins have been forgiven? The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of Jesus, I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. Your uncle being a deacon at some church doesn't save you. It's your faith in Christ. Do you know Jesus? You know if you died today, you're ready to stand before God. In just a moment, I'm literally gonna wait 30 seconds. If you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus. I'm not sure about my relationship with Christ. I'm not sure if I die today. I wanna pray for you at every one of our campuses at the count of three. I'm just gonna ask you to hold your hand up. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I wanna surrender my heart to Jesus. I need the blood of Christ to wash me, to cleanse me of my sin. If that's you, at the count of three, would you just lift your hand up high so I can see it? I promise you I'm not gonna embarrass you. One, two, three, quickly, hold it up high. God bless you guys right here. Anybody else? God bless you, sir, in the back. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, man. God bless you up top right there. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you, sir, up there. God bless you, man. God bless you. I believe God brought you here today because he loves you and he's got a plan for your life, ma'am. He's got a plan for your life. God brought you here today for this reason. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm just, I sense the Holy Spirit here right now. Can we pray? Let's all pray together. Let's just pray with those that are trusting Christ. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past and I turn to you. 
I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. From this day forward, I belong to you. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep, 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 deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. I want everybody to look at me. Give me 15 seconds. If you pray to trust to Christ, there's a card behind your chair. I'm going to ask you to fill it out and check. I've committed my life to Christ. Listen, this is important. You can either bring it up front or in guest center. There's some pastors for you. By the way, our altar's open to pray for you guys as well. Anybody that needs prayer. Father, bless your people today as they go forth. Lord, teach us to be hearers of you. We thank you that you're alive and you're speaking to your people. I pray a blessing over them as they go forth in the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said, come on, could we give the Lord a hand clap? We bless the Lord. God bless you.